0: Welcome to week three of the Fasting Practice. Today, we'll discuss the link between fasting and prayer, exploring how fasting is actually a powerful aid to prayer.
1: Now, Yinka wouldn't tell you this, but for years, she's fasted weekly. Watching her follow Jesus in this way was actually what led to me practicing fasting weekly myself. Now, as I've followed her example, I've honestly had a number of times where it didn't feel like anything was happening besides just being hungry. But I've also had times where I can tell that my sensitivity to Jesus's voice and my desire to be with him and be like him have grown deeper in my time of prayer. I've actually begun to want to fast. Now, one of my favorite New Testament theologians, Scott McKnight, he calls fasting body talk. He says that fasting is a way of praying with your body, a way of praying not only with your mind, but with your stomach, which is pretty wild to think about.
0: Before we explore this aspect of fasting, circle up in your triads to process your practice so far. Remember, this is a place to share with as much vulnerability as possible.
1: Question one, did you notice any shift in your heart towards sin while you were fasting? Question two, what's an area in your life where your willpower is failing and you're praying for the grace to change? And question three, what's an area in your life where you're experiencing increasing freedom from sin and joy in
0: God? Take a few moments to discuss.
2: May 1940. The Nazis have just overrun France. 338,000 Allied troops in retreat are trapped on the beach at Dunkirk. There's no hope of rescue in time. The British Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, is gearing up for the annihilation of the British Army, the last defense between England and the Third Reich's blitzkrieg advance. But then, on Friday, May 24th, Hitler issues a baffling order to his generals to stop their assault. The German tank division stops just 10 miles away from Dunkirk. Then the city is enveloped in a strange mist that's a mix of fog and smoke, and the German Air Force can't bomb the soldiers who are like sitting ducks on the beach. Then even stranger, the English Channel, notorious for high winds and choppy waters, is perfectly calm for three days straight. Historians say it was like bathwater, which makes it possible for hundreds of small civilian boats to cross the channel and rescue the troops under the cover of fog. This story was made famous yet again by the director Christopher Nolan's film, Dunkirk. But what's not in that film is that also on Friday, May 24th, King George, upon hearing the news of the impending invasion, called the nation to a day of fasting and prayer. Thousands of people literally lined up to get into Westminster Abbey in London to plead for God's mercy. Just hours after King George called for prayer, Hitler ordered his tank division to stop. And over the next three days, all of the troops were saved. That generation did not call it Dunkirk. They called it the miracle of Dunkirk, the outcome of which arguably saved the whole of England. Now. Was it a miracle or just a coincidence? God's response to prayer and fasting or just poor strategic planning by the German army? Here's what I know for sure. All through the library of scripture, prayer and fasting go together. You can pray without fasting and you can fast without praying. But when you combine the two, it's like there's a chemical reaction that amplifies the power of prayer. Now we come to number three of the four reasons we fast. In week one, we covered to offer ourselves to Jesus. In week two, to grow in holiness. Next up for week three is to amplify our prayers. Prayer is an umbrella term used all through scripture for the medium by which we communicate and commune with God. You can break down prayer into two basic categories, listening to God and speaking to God. Fasting is a powerful practice that amplifies both God's voice to us and our voice to God. Put another way, fasting is a way to hear God and to be heard by God. A word on each. First, to hear God. Please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. In Acts 13, we read a fascinating story about the first disciples of Jesus. Verse 1. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Notice, it's as they are fasting that the voice of God comes with clear direction. This has been my experience along with countless other followers of Jesus. In times of fasting and waiting on God for direction, that's when I'm most likely to hear God's voice. Just a few days ago, a good friend of mine was telling me he did a four-day fast to pray for God's direction for his business. As he was fasting, he had an idea come to him, and on the last day of the fast, he got a call out of the blue from an old colleague asking if he would be interested in the very same idea. He took that as God's direction, and it was while he was praying and fasting. Now, let's take a step back and talk for a minute about what's happening in our body as we fast. Remember, we're chipping away at the false dichotomy between the physical and the spiritual. We are whole persons. What we do with our body has an effect on our soul. In the last session, we covered some of the ways that fasting is good for your physical health, but it's also good for your mental health. Peer-reviewed studies on fasting have demonstrated that Fasting increases the blood flow to your brain, causing you to be more alert and aware, compared to eating, which causes blood to flow to your digestive system, which is why we are tired and a bit cloudy of mind after a large meal. Think of the post-Christmas dinner fugue. It also increases neuroplasticity, the ability for your brain to make new neural connections. It's also proven to decrease the neurotransmitters that signal anxiety and depression and increase those that elevate calm and a sense of well-being. It's also been proven to increase what doctors call interoception, which is your ability to accurately notice what's happening inside your body and mind. It's even been shown in some studies to arrest or even reverse the effect of Alzheimer's it comes as no surprise that fasting is not an exclusively Christian practice. While the first recorded story of fasting as a spiritual discipline is of Moses on Mount Sinai, it's later adopted by Confucius in China, the yogis in India, pretty much all of the Greek philosophers, Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, were advocates of fasting. It plays a central role in Islam, not to mention the explosion of popularity of intermittent fasting among those in the health and wellness community Or it's practiced by writers and intellectuals for many years due to its effect on mental prowess. Because fasting is a way of honing your mind to a point of alertness, focus, and perception. Now, to repeat, this doesn't happen overnight. If you are new to fasting, and especially if your regular diet is high in sugar and refined grains, then at first you may get a headache or feel just lousy and out of it. But if you stay with your practice and make it a regular part of your rule of life, your body will adapt, and when you fast, you will start to feel both calm but also highly alert and attuned. You can easily see how all this would put your mind and body into an ideal state to hear God's voice. Not to mention that when you fast, you have a lot more time. One of the first things you realize when you start fasting is just how much time, energy, and mental attention goes to food. Grocery shopping, cooking, eating, cleaning up, you get a lot of time and headspace back when you fast. As Priscilla Schreier said of her practice of fasting, I'm able to gain perspective on how unbalanced is the amount of time, energy, and effort that I put into my body and into my spirit. When we choose to sacrifice a need of the body to place more importance on a need of the spirit, God himself sits up and takes notice. The heavens are open to us in a way that might not have otherwise been. She offers a key insight here. Not only does fasting put us in an ideal position to listen, but it also puts God in an ideal situation to speak. Not only is our mind attentive, but our heart is humble and hungry. I think of God's word to Israel through the prophet Joel. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Or that same phrase is used by the prophet Jeremiah. You will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah doesn't specifically mention fasting, but he uses that same phrase, all your heart. Fasting is one way to seek God with all our heart. Again, it comes as no surprise that all through Scripture and church history, there are stories of people fasting to hear God's voice of direction, or for what the New Testament writers later call discernment. When we are facing a major decision, and especially in situations where we just don't know what to do, my wife and I will almost always set aside a few days to pray and fast. If possible, we take time in silence and solitude or even go on a retreat to get away from the noise and distraction and hear God. But if that's not possible, because of parenting or work or life circumstances, we just get up early and the time that we would have spent eating or sleeping to digest all that food, we give to listening prayer, praying with the psalmist, show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. This discipline of fasting and listening for God's voice is a part of the larger movement in the spiritual journey from decision-making to discernment, from what's a good and wise decision to make my life better to What's the will of God for my life, whatever it is? Which is part of an even deeper movement of the spiritual journey from control to surrender. From I am in control of my life to I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. Fasting is a discipline by which we open our body and soul to God's spirit to facilitate these essential movements deep inside our being. But it's not just to hear God, it's also to be heard by God. Now, God hears our prayer whether we are fasting or not, but there is something about fasting that seems to amplify our prayers before God. Look again at Acts 13 if your Bible is still open, verse three. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. They fasted to hear, but also to be heard. This is one of the primary reasons we fast. As God said through the prophet Isaiah, for your voice to be heard on high, or that can be translated to make your voice heard in heaven. Do you ever feel stuck in prayer? Like there's a wall between you and God or God's power. Like you just can't break through that wall. As the preacher Tony Evans put it, fasting helps us to activate God's power, to break through, as my Pentecostal brothers and sisters love to say, to pray through all that stands between you and God's plans and purposes and power for your life and world. Now, we have to be a bit careful here. Fasting is not a hunger strike to pressure God to give in to our demands. We're not Gandhi up against the British Empire. We're sons and daughters of the Father. And yet, back to that line from the prophet Jeremiah, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. There is something about the seeking and finding that God really seems to find value in. There's a lot of mystery here. Scripture tells us what, when we add fasting to prayer, there is a higher correlation between our requests and the release of God's power. But it doesn't tell us why, at least not clearly. Different streams of the church have different theories as to why. My theory is because God is relational. His ultimate aim is to draw us into the inner life of the Trinity. Prayer with fasting takes us deeper into union with God. As we said in the last session, it burns away whatever is creating relational distance between us and God. Now, you may have a whole other take, but while there is a diverse array of theological opinions in the Church of Jesus on why some prayers are answered and others are not, one thing is very clear in Scripture. God responds to prayer and fasting. I think of the story in Jonah 3, where the city of Nineveh is warned by the prophet Jonah of its coming destruction by God. But then we read, The Ninevites believed God, a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. There's a play on words here that's lost in translation from Hebrew to English. In the closing line, the phrase, turn from their evil ways, and relented are the exact same word in Hebrew, naham, which means to repent or relent or change your mind. The text literally reads, when God saw they nahamed, he nahamed. What does it mean for God to naham? a word that's also translated, repent. Arthur Wallace in God's Chosen Fast, our recommended reading for this practice, insightfully writes this, because man repents in respect to sin, God repents in respect to judgment. Man's change of heart makes it morally possible for God to behave differently towards him, yet acting consistently with his holy character and principles. We often mistakenly assume that God is going to do whatever God is going to do with or without our prayers. But the pattern you read of all through Scripture is that when God's people pray, and especially when they fast, He responds. Jonah is one such story, but Scripture is full of stories like it. King Jehoshaphat, Esther, the church in Antioch, and many more. All that to say, when it comes to hearing and being heard by God. Not only is fasting an aid to prayer, it's an amplifier of prayer and a powerful one at that. But remember, the end goal of prayer is not ultimately to get what we want from God, but to get God himself. It's union. It's to enter the inner life of the Trinity, to hear the Father and Son and Spirit speak their love over you and to speak back your love in return. So, when you need to hear God, and when you need to be heard by God, practice fasting.
1: I bet you have your own stories of answered prayer. Maybe not as dramatic as Dunkirk, but just as real and true. Stories of answered prayer, they give us the courage and faith on the spiritual journey. And the beauty of community is that they don't even have to be our own stories.
0: Let's take a few minutes to converse as a community about fasting and prayer. Here are a few questions to frame your discussion. Number one, do you have any stories of clear answers to prayer?
1: Number two, what's an area in your current life where you're praying for discernment, seeking to know the will of God for your life direction?
0: And number three, what's an area in your current life where you're praying for a breakthrough?
3: My name is Peter and uh, I'm a retired critical care doctor. I try to fast rhythmically as part of my regular day, not knowing if I'm going to have extra time to pray or not, but somehow, like the spirit is heightened in you as you go through the day. You see things that you may not normally see. Uh, you hear things you may not normally have been attuned to. Maybe it's because I've developed this regular routine and rhythm of fasting that these things are more clear to me. Or maybe it's because I'm older and as time has gone along, you tend to see wisdom in certain things that you hadn't before. We were supporting a prayer ministry in South Carolina and they had no housing. And my wife and I prayed whether we should help support housing by building houses, actually. But uh, it was more than we could bite off. So we asked some people to fast and pray with us. And we fasted and prayed. Um, And we didn't tell them about what we were fasting and praying. And we asked the Lord. We said, we need two confirmations about the number and about the place. So we wanted a confirmation that we were gonna uh, do it in this development, and we wanted a confirmation that we were going to build 10 houses, and we got them both. One never knows, I don't think, if what came across actually was going to happen by the providence of God, or if it was because We fasted and prayed. Um, But biblically speaking, it looks like many people changed the mind of God.
0: It's so inspiring to hear these stories of answered prayers. We, We want you to have your own stories of answered prayers. And to that end, the intention of this week is to utilize fasting to amplify our prayers.
1: Our exercise for this coming week is, again, to fast one day, but this time focusing on how it amplifies your prayers. You might want to experiment with a different day this time. If at all possible, fast as a community. Pick a day that works for as many of you as possible. The goal is to fast until sundown, then eat a simple meal to complete your fast.
0: Remember, fasting is a way to hear God and be heard by God. So in your time you'd normally be shopping, cooking, or eating, give yourself to prayer. Take that time to listen to God and speak to God. In your dedicated time of prayer, or each time a hunger pain comes, you may want to pray, God, speak to me, or God, hear me.
1: If I can offer you a tip... Be specific in what you pray for. Specific prayers typically get specific answers, and vague prayers more often get vague answers.
0: Also, for those of you who want to really hear God speak to you about an area of your life, we strongly recommend you find some time in the quiet to sit and listen to God in prayer.
1: Don't forget to fill out the practice reflection in your companion guide before you come back for the final session.
0: This week's REACH exercise is to fast for a longer period of time whatever length of time you feel led by God's Spirit to do. You may want to fast for a full day. Try it in dinner, then fasting for the entire next day until breakfast 36 hours later. Or you might feel invited into a multi-day fast, two days or three or longer. Again, walk before you run. If you've only ever fasted until sundown, start by going 36 hours and then work your way up over time.
1: The recommended reading is chapters 10 through 15 of God's Chosen Fast by Arthur Wallace.
0: Don't forget to listen to episode three of the Rule of Life season three podcast on fasting by practicing the way. Then we'll see you next week for our final session. But before you go, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless the coming of our lord jesus christ